Hello, and once again, we're back with the Patriot Preacher Podcast. Last season, I just said this is my podcast, but I figured I would let people know this time uh, actually what it is. And so on this program, we talk about things like politics and religion and this segment and this season. We're mostly sticking to the Bible and teachings from the Bible, and we're doing this to try to dispel and try to get away some of the relativistic and what's the word I'm looking for, subjective train of thinking, train of thought. So we're looking more objectively at the Bible. We're using the Bible as our authority. And once again in this segment and this week, I'm with Brother Wesley Simons from the Tri-City School of Preaching. Uh, Wesley, it's great to have you again. And uh, today, what do we have in store for the listener? All right, Dan, it's great to be here. We're going to be looking at Psalm 19. Well, why Psalm 19? Well, let me tell you why. There you are. You exist. Here I am. I exist. Intelligent beings must ask the question, from whence did I come? What am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing while I'm here? Where am I going when I leave here? See, all of those are very important questions. And so then we must look around. With the cosmological argument, cause and effect, you are an effect. You're here. The question is, what caused it? I'm an effect. I'm here. What caused it? It's kind of like if you and I are walking out in a field and there's a beautiful creek, crystal clear water. Oh, man, it's so crystal clear. We wouldn't mind drinking it. And then all of a sudden, it gets as muddy as any water you've ever seen. Well, there's the effect. The obvious question is, What caused it? Well, we start walking up the creek, and there's a bunch of cattle out in the creek. There's the cause. Well, we got to be honest with ourselves and ask the question, how did I get here? In Psalm 19, beginning with verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Did you get that? God is making the argument that everything round about us declares that he is, and that we must reach the conclusion that he is. In Romans 1, 18 through 20, the argument is made, if we do not reach that conclusion, we're without excuse. And it also says, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In the darkest parts of Africa, as they look up toward the heavens, And at night they see those beautiful stars. 
the moon, they must ask the question, how did they get there? And God says, they declare my glory. And people reasoning correctly will say, there had to be an intelligent being behind all of this. Friends, when you look at the universe, there's only two ways it could have gotten here. Matter is eternal. Are there supreme intelligence that's eternal? One or the other. you got to get back to something that's non-contingent, meaning that he or it is not dependent upon anyone for it or his existence. So we reason back to God. And when we reason back to God, we then must ask the question, has he spoken to us? And Dan, we'll get to that a little bit later in this chapter. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to pose the question, you know, is God or does he exist and how can we know when you brought in the cosmological argument? The cosmological argument proves that God exists. If you go back, every effect has a cause. The cosmological argument brings you back to an uncaused cause, something that has to be, something that has to be eternal. Well, we call the etern- uh, the eternality of the nature of that as God. He has to be the creator of all things. He is the unbegotten. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, the uncaused cause. He is the beginning of all things. And so if you look at Genesis chapter 1, for example, there's so many verses that come to my mind, Wesley, when you were just talking. I'm just going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 where it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That is the beginning. Now it doesn't... It doesn't give any kind of clue as to the beginning of God because God is eternal. He is the uncaused cause. And it says here, he created the heaven and the earth, and if you go on and you read Genesis chapter 1, all that is in them. Now, you mentioned Psalm chapter 19 and verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. We can go, uh, what is that term that we use for that general revelation, right? Right. So general revelation reveals God. That's right. And if you think about special revelation, that, you know, I think about general revelation in the terms of anyone, and you kind of pointed that out, alluded to the people in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa, they can know that God exists. Once they come to the realization that God exists, then by default, is it not true that they have to be obligated to discover about their creator and what he wants from us? Absolutely. Dan, if you will, turn to Hebrews eleven six, And I want to show you something from that verse when Dan gets over there. And he did a beautiful job showing there's general revelation and there is special revelation. Well, what's my obligation in trying to decide what God has said to Wesley? Read that verse. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And notice that, Dan. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, we have an obligation to seek. I often preach on personal evangelism, and I show the members you have an obligation to go out and try to find individuals that are seeking God and truth. Now, what you've got, if that happens, you've got Christians seeking the truth seeker. And you got the truth seeker seeking the truth. And we ought to pray that their pathways cross so that they can be helped to see the truth. Now back to uh, Psalm 19, verse 4. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Here he again, he's talking about the heavens, declaring the glory of God, how their words speak and has gone out. And he talks about the tabernacle of the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now, friends, the Bible affirms there is a circuit that even the sun takes. The skeptics laughed. You know what they've discovered now? The sun has a circuit that it runs. And God affirming that way before high-powered telescopes or anything else. And it's proven to be true. And all of this is general revelation to try to say to you and me, with all this design, there's got to be somebody behind it. Just like a camera that we have, you know, somebody didn't just, you know, the camera didn't evolve. Somebody had to make the camera. And the whole time you're thinking here, I'm thinking general revelation, special revelation. It's all important. I had a thought that I wanted to share. When you think about those people who, I guess I'm looking for the word blind leap in the dark. When you think about general revelation, I guess they would have an excuse for a blind leap in the dark if there was no such thing as special revelation. But God has taken care of us. God has provided all that we need. You know, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that he has provided all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, we can understand that God exists without a blind leap in the dark or without a blind leap of faith or even based on our emotions at all. It's, it's logical. It's simplistic. We can look at the general revelation and understand that God exists. Am I correct in that line of thought, Wesley? Absolutely. But then that wouldn't tell me what to do to be saved. That wouldn't tell me how to treat my wife. It wouldn't even tell me how many wives I could have. It wouldn't tell me anything about rearing my children. Well, what do you need there? Special revelation. 
And that's verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And you got those who try to declare that the average man can't understand God's word. But here I want you to notice that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You take the simple person out there, the old common Joe, so to speak. He picks up the book known as the Bible, and he starts to read. He's reading that which is perfect. Isn't that beautiful? Now, this is speaking of the Old Testament, and the Old Testament was perfect. We have some who believe, well, the Old Testament wasn't perfect or God wouldn't have given the new. No, that's hogwash. The Old Testament was perfect for the reason for which it was designed, and that was to bring people unto Christ. Now Christ has come, a new law has been given, and we're under Christianity, the New Testament. When Jesus died upon Calvary's cross, the old law was nailed there too. Colossians 2, 14 through 16. And he died for the New Testament just like he died for you and me. Matthew 26, verse number 28. So every commandment in the New Testament is blood covered. So if I add something to the New Testament, I've added a command that's not blood covered. If there's a commandment in the New Testament I don't like, and I jerk it out and refuse to obey it, then I've eliminated a blood-covered commandment. That's why in Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2, in Proverbs 30, verse number 6, we're told we better not add to or take from God's Word. And God is very serious about that. So look at verse 7 again. The law of the Lord, not the law of Wesley. The law of the Lord is perfect. Doing what? What every human being needs. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. So, Dan, what you, you need, what I need, is special revelation to show us how to live. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. Once again, a lot of verses come to mind. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, last segment of, uh, concerning objective truth. And you look at John, or John, I'm sorry, James chapter 1 and verse 25. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, which automatically implies that there is a law that exists outside of ourselves that is above us that we have to look into, but not only it says, it says, and continues therein, be, uh, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Uh, this goes right to the heart of special revelation in my mind. Because what happens is, the mere fact that we have a law of liberty, one, there must be a lawgiver. 
two, it shows us that this lawgiver has created laws for everything. So uh, it, it kind of dives into general revelation because we do have natural laws that govern the things that we see that, can, that, ha- that God has revealed. But just as you pointed out, Wesley, when we, di- when we dive into the perfect law of liberty, it is a perfect law. It, it's the law that sets us free from sin. Uh, this is this is God revealing His special revelation to tell us how we are to live. Is that right? That's exactly right. For instance, look at verse eight: "The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes." Did you get it? The statutes of the Lord are right. What's right in this world? How should I live? Well, the statutes or commandments or ordinances of the Lord, they're right. Rejoicing the heart, that ought to be my attitude toward the commandments of the Lord. And it says the commandment of the Lord is pure. Now, my commandments may not be that pure, but the Lord's is, enlightening the eyes. What's going to open my eyes? What's going to cause me to see the light, to know which way I ought to go? You know, you want out of this old world of darkness. You don't want Satan leading you, the prince of darkness. Your eyes need to be enlightened Who's going to do it, and how's he going to do it? God's going to do it, but how's he going to do it? Well, according to this, Dan, through the Word of God. Yeah, it says it right here in black and white. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. These are the same statutes that lead us to salvation. You know, we asked the question earlier, how does general revelation get us there? How does general revelation get us to salvation? Well, Just knowing God exists really isn't enough. But as we said, God took care of that. God let us know through special revelation, his word, of how we're supposed to live. And, of course, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1, once again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here we have, once again, Wesley, Psalm 19 and verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So I can't help but think that he got this right. (laughs) He sure did. You know, uh, I run around with, let's say, some ungodly buddies, and I listen to their advice. Their advice is not pure and clean. They might want Wesley to help them steal, kill, lie, cheat, commit adultery. But here it says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The justice of the Lord or the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You better believe it. They're righteous. Then notice verse 10 the way that you and I ought to view them. It says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, 
sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now, ladies and gentlemen, do you believe it's true? That verse is true. If the judgments of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, are better than gold, even fine gold, how often do you sit down and study the Bible? How often do you prayerfully look at a verse that you don't understand? How often do you sit down with your family and talk about the Word of God? Do you rear your children by teaching them the pure way, the right way of God Almighty? See, there's a way that's truly right. Now, there's a wrong way. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. See, we don't want to travel that way. Well, what was their problem? They didn't look into the Word of God as pure gold, better than fine gold. And that's what we must do, Dan. When you think about the value of gold, you know, Jesus talked about what is the value of your soul, and he, and he put them in the balances. Do you remember when he did that? Oh, yeah. And then he talks about here, it says, more to be desired are they than gold. These are talking about the precepts, the laws, the judgments of God. And if we live by them, well, do we have them? See, that's where the special revelation comes in. When we, If we have them, if we are following them, then yes, they are more valuable to us than these earthly possessions. Anything on earth that we can possess are not as valuable, or is not are not as valuable as the judgments of God, and so I think a lot of what He is teaching here is that. It says here more to be than desired. It says also than the honey and the honeycomb, sweeter than also than honey and the honeycomb. Wasn't isn't it true, Wesley, that the when the Jews were trying to teach their children the precepts of God, and they got it right that they would dip their finger in honey and give it to the children when they we're trying to illustrate something that tasted good, that was supposed to be good, is there, or something to that effect. Am I right in that? Well, I'm not sure about that, to be honest with you. Well, I, well, I think a lot of where that psalm come from, I'm not sure if it's true either, but I thought that they, they did that. But it, the illustration is that the Word of God is sweet and something that is to be, that you are to digest you know, when you talk about, and I've referenced James chapter 1 already, but it talks about in James chapter 1 also receiving with meekness the engrafted word. That's right. And then it goes on to say, which is able to save your souls. And that is more valuable, much more valuable than anything uh, anything in this world. That's right. Now, look at uh, 11 and 12 right past. What's the value of the word of God? Why is it better than gold? Moreover, by them, God's commandments, is thy servant warned. I need to be warned. And in keeping of them, there's great reward. Then verse 12, who can understand his errors? How do I know when I'm wrong? I need guidance. That's that pure gold, the word of God. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. How am I going to know what a fault is? How am I going to know what's right, what's wrong? I go to that which is better than gold, even fine gold, Dan, and that's the precious 
inspired, inerrant Word of God. Absolutely. I think about verse 12 there, and a lot of people misinterpret that to mean things that you do in secret. I would consider that more of the great transgression when you try to do things in secret that you keep it from people. No, this verse is talking about secret from you. In other words, things that you don't know are sin. And this is why knowing the Word of God is so important because every sin that you commit will be secret from you if you don't know what sin is. And so it says here in these last two verses, and then we'll close out, it says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Wesley, it reminds me a lot of Romans chapter 6 of who who is our master. Who are we going to be a slave to here? That's right. If we know the word of God and we follow the precepts and we understand how valuable the word of God is, then we are going to be a slave to righteousness because we understand that the only way we can go to heaven is by serving the one who gave us these laws to begin with. And it's not done in secret. He has taken provision for every excuse that we can make. He has given us general revelation. He has given us special revelation, his laws, his his statutes that we are to follow. It says here, it says, Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. That would be the presumptuous sins, I'm assuming. Let the word of my mouth, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Wesley, what would make the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in God's sight? The precious word of God, loving God, loving his book, wanting to be right in his sight. Absolutely. We're going to wrap up this section now. Remember, this is the Patriot Preacher Podcast that you're listening to. I want to thank everyone who downloads and listens to this podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I want to encourage you to, uh, the reason why we do this once again is so that we can glorify God and give help to people who need it, uh, who need to know where the toughest answers, or the answers to life's toughest questions, I should say, That is found in the inerrant word of God. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back again with you next week.